1: Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris
2: Mascaro. Where PGA and LPGA players, legends and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Ben Hogan Golf, 2under, TaylorMade Golf, and golf pride. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Hey, good evening, folks, and thank you for joining me tonight here on Next on the i I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and I really hope your week is off to a great start. I'm honored to be with you tonight as we put a bow on another season of Next on the T. Last week, I mentioned that, you know, I was a little sad, you know, having a a bit of a master's hangover with the tournament being over and all. And likewise, this week, I'm a little sad as well with it being the last episode of the season. I'm going to be transitioning over to our football show, Thursday Night Tailgate. Now, if you're not familiar with that show, we talk with NFL legends every week about their playing days, plus get their insights into what's going on around the league now. So please join my co-host Bob Lazari and I over there. You'll be able to stay up to date with that show by going to ThursdayNightTailgate.com. But like I say, it's a little sad that this season is coming to an end uh, here on Next on the T. I'll post an occasional interview, maybe some updates from our guests and our friends over the winter. But we'll be back in full force sometime after the Super Bowl. But tonight... We're going to go out with a bang with some really great guests. And before we get started, I want to remind you about one of our sponsors, The Mclemore, which is a beautiful resort, community, and golf course. It's located just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, up on Lookout Mountain. They've opened their new clubhouse now, so go check out that and the course at themacklemore.com. The course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones, and our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley has said outside of Pebble Beach. It's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. See why he says that by checking out the resort and the course online at themaclemore.com. All right, tonight we're going to go out starting off with our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. TP and I are going to look back on the Masters. I'll get his thoughts on what he saw from DJ, what he didn't see, and what none of us saw from Bryson DeChambeau. And the play of some of the great former champions there, Larry Mize, Mike Weir, Bernard Lunger, those guys were fantastic. We'll also talk about some drills that you can do indoors over the winter to keep your game sharp. So looking forward to having TP back with me. He'll join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from PGA Tour Pro Nick O'Hearn and one of his business partners, Tom Naramore. I'm going to get Nick's thoughts and his memories from playing in the Masters. Tom is the co-founder of D3 Golf and the D3 Golf app that allows you to challenge a bet with your friends, even if they may live somewhere else. So looking forward to having both of those guys as part of the show. They'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a return visit from former NHL star and celebrity tour champion Dan Quinn. Dan played in the NHL from 1984 to 1997. He won the American Century Championship five times. He also was a caddy on the PGA Tour, looping for guys like Ernie Ells and Yaust, Luton, and John Daly. He caddied for Ernie at the 2010 Masters, so we'll go back and hear some of Dan's memories from being a part of that event. Plus, why after winning the American Century Championship again five times, they suddenly stopped inviting him back to the tournament? We'll look forward to those stories and a whole lot more from Dan when he joins me about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information are coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. You guys know I always like to start off the show by saying hello to my friends Mitch and Matthew Lawrence. I want to remind you about their great golf shows. Mitch's podcast is called Talking Golf Getaways. You can find it online at golftripx.com or over on Audioboom, stitcher, or player.fm. He and his co-host Darren Bunch are going to take you about around great places around the U.S. and Canada, plus some of the hidden gem courses that you might not be aware of. Folks, I'm telling you, if you love golf and you love travel, their show marries those two things better than any shows out there. They're fantastic hosts, and those guys are even better people. Matthew's show is called Backspin Golf, and it's on hiatus now, but if you missed any of the episodes that Matthew had this season, you can stream them as a podcast by going online to WLXG.com. Matthew is such a fantastic host, and he had great guests week in and week out this past season. Again, stream it online by going to WLXG.com. And, folks, this segment of Next on the T is brought to you by our friends over at TaylorMade and their TP5 and TP5X golf balls, played by Masters champion Dustin Johnson, plus John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, and Jason Day. It is certainly the hottest tour ball in golf. Now, I know you know those names, but thousands of other golfers have already made the switch to TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X. It's available in high-visibility yellow. Are you next to make the switch? Check it out online at TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information. All right, now here with me to kick off tonight's show is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. You can visit Tom this winter at his home at Crown Colony Golf and Country Club in Fort Myers. He's also built a great indoor facility at his home in Naples with all the latest technology and gadgets. If you're not going to be anywhere near the west coast of Florida, but you still want to get a lesson from TP, download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing, and he's going to help you improve that swing through the app. You can also send him a question through his website, tompatry.com. Be sure to subscribe to his newsletter when you're on that site. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. Has his own show on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time over on Instagram Live with a tremendous guest list, including Cooper Manning, coming up in a couple of weeks. And it's always fun having TP here with me on Next on the T. What's up, my friend? How are you tonight?
3: Christy Boy!
2: (laughs) I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that for a couple of months, TP. Every, Every Tuesday. Gets me going. How are you, my friend?
3: You can call me you you can call me at Tuesday night so I'll do that for you. No problem. <laughs>
2: How'd I make that into a ringtone? I mean, every time I you call me, I, that should be what I hear. Exactly. Mm. T P yeah, update us on I, I, I know you're uh, you may t- you're taking a little break for uh, for Turkey Day and all, but update us on how things are going at Crown Colony and what's up with you there.
3: Chris, I'm calling you from beautiful downtown Key West, Florida. Down here with Mrs. And uh, we're on a little hiatus for about four days, but uh, Crown Colony's been fantastic. It's, uh, you know, I've never been happier. In my, I'm honestly, I've never been happier in my life. Felt more welcome. It's, uh, it's been just a great start. Great start.
2: Tom, I, I know Crown Colony is a private course, but for all those folks that are that are up north that may be just coming back down to Fort Myers or the Naples area. And, and, uh, they're interested in joining a course, talk about what, what the facility is like there at Crown Colony. And, and for those folks that, uh, you know, are living in the area may not be aware of what a beautiful facility they've got there. Tell everybody about it.
3: Okay. You know, cause it's a, it's a really, uh, very natural layout. Uh, a lot of estuary, um, a lot, a lot of wildlife on the property, uh, it backs up to the Hendry River, not far from the Gulf of Mexico. Um, I, I honestly didn't know much about the place before I started negotiating the job. Uh, I've been really pleasantly surprised. The initial of the place is fantastic. It's a really—it's not an easy golf course. You got to drive the golf ball really, really well, and it's—it's uh, it's challenging. It's—it's not—it's not an easy track, but really fun. Uh, past Town Greens the day I left actually before I came out of QS this week they're rolling at thirteen five. Um four wow. open the superintendent does an incredible job. Nice practice facility. Uh, really, really nice clubhouse. Nice membership. Nice group of people. Um Tim Knowles, a head professional, David Kent the GM our Class Act. I I'm telling you, it's it's a it's a really like kind of a hidden hidden jewel. I just I had no clue. I really didn't I'm really, really uh Really, really, very, very
4: over
2: the moon, happy about that, So, and Tom, for for folks that are jonesing for some Tom Patrick and get to get lessons from the master, talk about the indoor facility that you built out over the summer and what they can come see when they come visit you at that new place.
3: Well, two two things, Chris. Uh, I, even though even though Crown College is a private facility, I can teach non-members based on availability. Um, they can get in touch with me directly to schedule. And then my home facility, uh, I built out last year during COVID, obviously, and the craziness that was going on and continues to go on. I built out the really nice studio in my home. I kind of gutted the three-car garage and turned it into a uh, indoor studio, including you know, body track, TrackMan, V1 uh, video, flat-screen TV, all the toys, all the bells and whistles. Um, it, it really turned out much better than I thought it would, and I've had people over on a pretty regular basis in the evenings, actually, after I get done teaching Crown Colony for some evening work as well as on Mondays on my day off, so I do some private instruction there as well for people who don't want to drive to Fort Myers or want a more private setting and want want all the bells and whistles.
2: Tom, let's, let's switch gears a little bit, and the last time you joined me on the show, we were looking ahead to the Masters, and the idea that Bryson DeChambeau was going to destroy the course record because, as he said, Augusta National was a par 67 for him. So if you look at how he performed, he was about 18 over par based on his standards and then had some excuses for why he wasn't feeling right and all this and that. So things didn't exactly go as he had planned. Give me your thoughts. Talk about uh, Bryson and tugging on Superman's cape that is Augusta National.
3: Well, I, as you know, based on our last discussion, Chris, I'm I'm kind of over Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not, um, I'm not a fan. I'm just not a fan. I, I think that, uh, you know, you keep your mouth shut and you play golf and, and you let your, you let your scorecard take, take care of the talking. Um, I think he um, got a little bit ahead of himself there, obviously, didn't he? And I guess obviously wasn't a par 67 for him and, is more to the game than driving 400 yards on occasion um, to, to play championship golf. Listen, you can't take anything away from the way he played at Wingfoot. He was on that week; it was his deal. But nobody's on every week, and and you're right. Nobody should pull on Superman's cape, and Augusta kind of bit him uh, as it, as it should have. And maybe he'll keep his mouth shut a little bit and just play golf and, and let the chips fall where they may.
2: T.P., let's talk about the opposite side of that coin and, uh, coin and what we saw from D.J. and what he did, And you know, and, and, uh, as uh, the opposite of what Bryson didn't do. We saw D.J. be the first guy to reach 20 under par there. Thoughts on what you saw from D.J. over those four days?
3: Well, well there's, a, there's a perfect comparison, Chris, because D.J. doesn't really say very much. Doesn't beat his chest a lot. Just kind of shows up and does his thing. Drives the ball a long ways. Drives it in play but also has a much greater command of his short irons, his distance control was exquisite. He parted the ball beautifully and managed the golf course, you know, backed off when he had to, stepped on the gas when he had to, he really did a great job, I think, from a course management standpoint and an emotional standpoint. Um, I, think, I think he put an absolute clinic on for four days um, and, and rightfully so won the golf tournament.
2: And, Tom, you know, a lot was made. Prior to the final round, about you know DJ's challenges with losing some leads in, in final rounds. Were you worried at all when uh when he went he went out and he didn't birdie two, he bogeyed four and five, put it in the bunker on seven. I, you know, lead went from four down to two. It started to feel a little bit shaky for me. I started to like uh oh, uh oh, we could we we could be in trouble here. Uh, but then, obviously, ride the ship and went on. But were you were concerned at all about what you saw from him at the start of the the final round?
3: I don't think people realize because how I think two hardest things to do sometimes are to play with a big lead or to play in front of your home crowd fans. You know, if you're in your hometown playing in an event, playing with a big lead sometimes is harder than playing with a one shot lead. In that you know, you're you're almost over cautious, don't want to make a mistake and. And all of a sudden, somebody goes on a birdie run and closes the gap from five to two, and you kind of feel it, you know. But I, I think he did a nice job riding the shift. I think the bogey he made it. I'm sorry, the birdie he made it six into that back right pin was was fantastic. Um, I think I, you know, he, he never really looked like he lost his cool. He kind of stayed to his game plan. I think uh, I think Austin, his brother did a nice job helping calm him down a little bit. Um, I think he's got an awful lot of firepower realizing he's got thirteen and fifteen on the back nine. Uh, you know I, you always got to worry when, when the league slips down and starts inching in on you in a major championship when you have some history but i think I think that was a defining moment for him Chris. I think he really kind of got over a big hump there you know, that one that one major championship at, at Oakmont was kind of almost like you know a little bit of a curse versus a versus you know a plus. Um, he needed that second major. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets on a little bit of a roll now, and he doesn't win, you know, somewhere between six and ten in his career. Even though he's 36 years old, he's fit, he's long, he's got great great distance control, and he puts the puts the ball beautifully. His wedge game has really come a long way. puts the ball beautifully. I, I think it, I think it might have been a big turning point in the guy's career.
2: Yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Tom. Now that he has sort of put that second major, right, now he's sort of on, you know, he backed it up, right? We, when you get one, you wonder, you know, is, is this something that he's going to be able to get two, three, four, five? But now that he's got to, is your expectation that he gets, you know, six, seven, eight, ten, like you mentioned a moment ago, now now he really gets on a roll?
3: Chris, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, he comes out in November, 20 under there, and there's one right around the corner back there at Augusta in April. Um, you know, listen, he's got he, – I don't see a lot of weakness in his game. He started hitting the ball left to right off the tee. He's done a tremendous amount of wedge work in terms of his disc control. I think Austin's done a great job with the green reading as far as that team is concerned. I don't see a lot of weakness in his game. He's powerful. He's very, very calm. Um, he drives the ball beautifully now in a long ways. You know, it wouldn't – Chris, it wouldn't shock me at all if he got on a little bit of run. you know, Brooks kept, uh, you know, that kind of little three to five year period where he goes on a little bit of a run, that wouldn't shock me one bit.
2: TP, we talked about Rory's chase to complete the career grand slam there at Augusta National. Ended up finishing tied for fifth. He finished inside the top 10 now every year from 2014 to 2020, with the exception of, of last year in 19, where he finished tied for 21st. But Do you think he's eventually going to get that win at Augusta National and complete the career Grand Slam, or or is the course a little bit in his head now?
3: You know, it it almost reminds me a little bit of Sam Snead, Chris, you know, where he he had all those near misses at the U.S. Open and never finished the the career Grand Slam himself. Um, You know, he's certainly got plenty of talent. He's certainly got plenty of length. He's got all the shots. He seems to be very inconsistent on the greens. Um, you know, he's had a couple of lapses there with a really, really painful at Augusta as Sam had in the open, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet the house on him winning at Augusta. I wouldn't not be I don't think he, I'm not saying he can't win at Augusta. I'm not saying he will not win at Augusta, but I wouldn't be putting a big part of my check on it. You know, my, 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 my salary on it, you know, at any time in the near future. I, I'm, I'm skeptical.
2: Tom, what about what we saw from some of the past champions, guys like Larry Mize, Mike Weir, Bernard Longer, and Longer and Mize are obviously in their 60s. Those guys both played really well. Longer finished tied for 29th, which, oh, by the way, was better than where Bryson and Tiger finished. Talk about the performances <laughs> we saw from them.
3: Yes, you know, funny you bring that up, Chris, because I, I played golf with Larry Mize in college and he's a wonderful guy, and, and he did it for one round, certainly, but Langer did it for four rounds, you know, at 63 years old. You know, I've i walked on Augusta since the changes have made. I know you go every year. You know, that golf course is close to 7,400 yards long from the back, and and Langer hits it about the same exact distance that I hit it right now, and I've stood on the back of some of those tee boxes and thought to myself, how about I even make par? I don't want make any birdies out here, and and to go four rounds out there, and, and 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 listen, he's hitting he's hitting lumber into some of those par fours. He, if not lumber, he's hitting hybrids. And to go four rounds out there and did what he do what he did. And then on Sunday, he hit up with the face to face, head to head, and not only beat him for the tournament, beat him beat him face to face, head to head in the last round, um, being outdriven by somewhere between seventy and a hundred yards on every on every tee box. The guy is an absolute freak show. He's a phenomenon. He's uh, you know how can you not Admire Bernard Langer and what he's able to do with what he's able to do with his career, especially as a senior golfer and, and at Augusta National, just an incredible performance. I don't think I don't think it's being talked about enough. And just to switch gears a little bit on you, Chris, the most incredibly mentally strong performance I've ever seen is a player making a ten on the twelfth hole of Augusta, and then birding five out of the last six holes. I don't think anybody in the world has talked about what Tiger did after making ten on number twelve. And then going on a birdie truck coming into the house. Unbelievable to be that mentally strong, to turn that around and walk to the next D and get on that roll.
2: Yeah. And so let's take that a step further. What does that teach all of us junior golfers and the rest of us about not just kind of throwing it away? Cause I think a lot of us, and I'll raise my hand on this. If I had just made a 10 on a hole with you know six <laughs> holes left to play I'm probably going straight in the tank, like get me out of here right i I'm, I'm starting to think about where's the where where's the uh, beer girl right Give me, get me a beer, let me just you know kind of finish this thing out and go home. Tiger doesn't do that. he goes and and to your point, birdie's five out of the last six. We talked a bit about this on the show last week, but I think the lesson in that is tremendous for what he taught us after making a tent.
3: You know, I've always looked at. I always tell people, Chris. I look at golf as 18 games. You know, people. You know, how many people, have, and you included, me included. You know, we shoot 36 on the front and 41 on the back, or 42 on the front and 36 on the back, and you can't put two nines together. Well, I I always teach people that you know that are, that want to compete. My my college players, my junior players, my my professionals that I coach. Golf is 18 games. You play game number one, it's over. You play game number two, it's over. You play game number three, you try to do the best in each game. And, and 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 you have to compartmentalize that. That is an absolute incredible performance by Tiger Woods to make a 10 in front of the world. I'm, let's keep this in, in perspective. He did that in front of the world, world watching. He walks from 12 green to 13 tee, rips it down the middle, makes birdie, and then doesn't birdie 14 and should have, by the way. And then birdies, you know. 15, 16, 17, and 18. I mean, come on. It's just, it's incredible. It's absolutely mental fortitude. The guy is an absolute amazing specimen of a competitor. And my hat's off to, to him.
2: Tom, I want to get your thoughts on another guy that we watched do some incredible things there at Augusta National, Kid Cameron Smith. He becomes the first player in Masters history to shoot all four rounds in the 60s.
0: In his last three
2: events, the kid finished 11th at the CJ Cup, tied for fourth at the Zozo Championship, now tied for second at the Masters. And if you go back to 2015, finished tied for fourth at the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay. But one of the things I was particularly struck by when I was watching him is he always had a smile on his face throughout all four rounds, at least for every every highlight and every hole that I saw him play. Give us your thoughts on his performance.
3: You know, Chris, I think that's a great point. I, you know, I I've watched Cameron Smith play once or twice in my career uh, as an instructor, and didn't know that much about him. But after he was in the hunt after two days, I kind of did a little Wikipedia on him and did some study on him. And uh, he's very quietly had a very, very nice career. He's still, you know, still got a lot of years ahead of him. Doesn't drive the ball particularly long. Isn't particularly high in any one stat category except. His short game numbers are really, really pretty pristine. And uh, um, he did a wonderful job managing the golf course. He putted the ball beautifully. He, you know, he kept himself very, very light out there. A very good attitude on the golf course. Um, very different approach from Tiger. Uh, very, very different approach from Bryson. Very, very different approach from a lot of people. He's so much more happy-go-lucky. He seems like he really enjoys playing golf. He enjoys competing, enjoys being out there, and is very grateful for his chances. Um, I think you'll see more great things from him. He's a—he's somebody you can really root for. He's—he's he's easy to pull for, man. He's—he's he's really really fun to watch.
2: Tom, I want to switch gears and get uh, some playing lessons from you for for our folks now that are you know in the northern part of this country or anywhere around the world. where it's starting to get cold, and it's hard to play. And we're we're maybe starting to get relegated to being indoors. So for all of us that that aren't currently in Key West, Florida. But talk about some drills that we can do to kind of keep our golf swings in shape, so we don't end up with a whole bunch of rust when it uh, when it starts to get warmer out and we get towards the spring. What can we do over the winter?
3: Great question. So I guess the number one thing you can do is during COVID, because I don't want you flying, is if you're in the Northeast, 95 south to Fort Myers, 95 <laughs> south to Fort Myers, come see me. That's the number one tip to get better this winter. Second tip after that is I think you need things to do indoors. Um, putting mat is something I have put in my own my own office in my house. You know, I come home from work every night. I flip on the TV. I do a little work in the office, and I I always make sure before I go to bed. I, I you know I spend about twenty five or thirty minutes hitting some putts. Um, I I I love the orange whip. Uh, I, I send the orange whip usually every morning and every evening in in the in the studio in my garage at the house. You've got to be doing things that keep you in motion and get you attached to the motion. Not that you have to be super mechanically specific, but make swings every day, whether it's a weighted club or an orange whip. Uh, you've got to hit putts. You've got to create, you know, some field drills you can do for short game. Um, if you've got place you can hit balls indoors or in a heated, in a heated situation, you've got to have some live action on a summer, regular basis. You can't, you know, the orange whip is great indoors. It does Nothing replaces live action. So whether you have a dome nearby if you're in a cold weather climate, whether you have a heated driving range nearby, whether you can put a net in your garage and a, and a mat in your garage, you've got to have some live action, too, on a semi-regular basis, meaning let's call it once a week, once every 10 days, aside from doing any indoor drills. You've got to make motion. You can't get, you can't put the clubs in the closet. You can't put them away for the wind. You cannot do that. People that do that, Chris, come back when the weather breaks, you know, April, May, and it's July before they really get their golf game in shape again. Uh, besides doing those kind of things, you've got to be doing some stretching exercises. You've got to keep your body limber. keep keeps pliability and flexibility. You cannot get stagnant.
2: So one other thing, Tom, as we, as we swing the orange whip, that, that can certainly help us, um, you know, keep the swing kind of going, kind of help us from a driver, you know, long iron perspective, as your mantra and the thing that you have beat into my head over the years and to the head of your listeners over on Instagram Live on your show, short game, short game, short game. How do we keep that short game going over the winter as well?
3: See, that's the hard – Chris, that's, well, that's easily the hardest thing over the winter because you don't have, you know, a putting surface. Um, that's, that's why I go to perfect practice in terms of a putting mat at least on least putting the golf ball. But from a short game standpoint, that is the single hardest thing to do. Um, if you can, if you can, and you can even have a piece of carpeting in your house, and you can put a, uh, you know, a beanbag chair or a pillow up against the wall or 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 some kind of quilt or, or thick, you know, thick covering, and hit little chip shots, up against something that will reflect the ball and let it fall into the ground without damaging anything, in the house, just to make a little chipping and pitching motion. The problem, you know, and that's not bad, but the problem is you're still not, still not referencing a specific distance control, which is what short game is all about, controlling distances, you know. That's the hardest thing because I really don't have a great answer for that unless you're in a dome setting or a heated, a heated range setting um, or – some kind kind of indoor practice area you can have access to. That's the real catch-22. You can handle putting. You can handle full swing. The in-between stuff is really
2: difficult. Tom, before I let you go, you do an outstanding job on your show. Again, Thursday night, Instagram Live, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Folks, be sure to tune in because Tom's a fantastic host, and his guest list is also wonderful. Um, I know you're off this week for Thanksgiving, but you've got a great lineup coming back after that. Remind our listeners about who you've got coming up on the show.
3: Yeah, my, my first my first person back after after Thanksgiving week, I believe it's 12-3, that's a Thursday, I think I got that date right, is Cooper Manning, the third Manning brother, one you haven't heard much about, the brother of Eli and Peyton. Uh, Cooper is, a, uh, is actually an oil trader in New Orleans, um, but had a severe medical issue on his way to playing wide receiver at Old Miss. Um, we're going to talk about what that issue was and, and never really played it down in college. After setting um, with his brother Peyton, which still holds through today the Louisiana State uh, record for pass passes in total yards and touchdown catches in the state of Louisiana, a wonderful athlete in his own right. And his son, Bart, uh, who is now a high school sophomore, has already thrown 65 TV passes and is being looked at by virtually everybody around the country. So we have a lot to talk about. He's a passionate golfer. He's an incredibly positive human being considering he's gone through his life medically, Um, a a real inspiration, uh, and and a funny, funny guy. So I'm really looking forward to having him on the show uh, right after Thanksgiving.
2: And Tom, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing. Whether that's uh, following you on on Instagram and on social media, plus your website as well.
3: Well, Christian, the website is tompatrick.com, and social media: two Facebook pages, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, the whole, you know, all those social media platforms. And then, uh, of course, my website, like I said, tompatrick.com, where you can sign up there for my quarterly newsletter, and then. You know, biweekly, I'm on a on an incredible podcast called Next on the Tea with Christmas Carol, which which I'm privileged to be on. Uh, you know, by you know, twice twice a month with the greatest podcast host in the world, bar none.
2: TPI, <laughs> I appreciate you, my friend. Um, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for taking a little bit of time away from your night there down on Key West. You're the best, my friend. I, I'm looking already looking forward. To our first show as we kick off uh, 2021. This is our 44th show together, so we will kick off number 45 at the beginning of next season, but in between now and then, my friend, stay safe. Happy holidays to you and the Misses. Look forward to catching up soon.
3: Chrissy, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I love you very much. I I think the world of you and what you're doing, and uh, I really mean it. I feel you're the best in the whole world at what you do, and uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be on with you As much as I am, I'm really grateful to
2: be with you. Well, I'm blessed to have you, and the love goes right back to you, my friend. Take care. Stay safe. We'll catch up soon.
3: Thanks, pal. Good night.
2: See you, TP. That's the great Tom Patrick, folks. Tom Patrick, P-A-T-R-I. TomPatrick.com is the website, at TomPatrickGolf, and at TomPatrick on Twitter. But, folks, I'm telling you, that Instagram live show, TP is one of the great Host that you're going to see and hear anywhere, I, uh, I can't encourage you enough to check out his show, and the, his guest list is absolutely top-notch as well. So a, uh, a finer individual than Tom Patrick, you will not find, and uh, I love that guy. He, is, he has been everything to me here on the show. What a wonderful uh, instructional guest, right, every other week, like Tom said, uh, but on top of that, uh, TP is 10 times a better person. So, uh, I, like I say, I can't uh, I can't encourage you enough to go check out his show, go check out his website, and then uh, sign up for lessons. Now, look, if you're not going to get down to the west coast of Florida, go on the V1 video, or the uh, yeah the V1 video app, and select Tom as your instructor, and send him, you know videos of your golf swing. He's going to make a lot of improvements for you. Help my golf swing, goodness knows, uh, he's made a world of difference there after just you know a couple of you know instructional uh, opportunities. He came back and showed me what I was doing wrong and uh, it's made a world of difference in my swing. So it's going to do the same for you. Look forward to catching up with, with uh, Tom again soon. And like I say, in between now and next season, folks, go over there and tune in Instagram live eight o'clock Eastern time. Uh, You're going to really love his show. All right. Before I get to my next guest, Nick O'Hearn and Tom Narimore, I want to give a shout out to our couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at the Ben Hogan golf company. At Ben Hogan Golf, they manufacture some of the finest golf equipment in the world in their small factory in Fort Worth, Texas. That's because they build each club by hand using the same process Mr. Hogan created when he started his company 65 years ago. They call it micro-manufacturing. So no mass production, no shortcuts. Visit them online at BenHoganGolf.com to learn more about their tour quality products and factory direct prices also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret that pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence. Grip Golf Pride. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends at the PGA TOUR Superstore.
1: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA TOUR Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA TOUR Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATOURSUPERSTORE.COM. Now back to Chris and more of the show.
2: All right, now joining me are PGA TOUR Pro Nick O'Hearn and Tom Narimore. Let me give you some background on both guys. Nick is from Perth, Western Australia. He grew up playing baseball, tennis, and golf, and he turned pro back in 1994. He qualified for the European Tour on his first attempt going through Q School in 1998. He played on the European Tour from 1999 to 2007, where he finished runner-up seven times. In 2004, he earned his way into the top 50 in the World Golf Rankings. 2005, he was ranked number 24 in the world and was a member of the international team at the President's Cup. There, he teamed with countryman Peter Lonard to defeat Davis Love and Kenny Perry in the Friday matches. And on Saturday, he paired with Tim Clark and defeated Fred Funk and David Toms. 2006, he reached number 21 in the world and he won the Australian PGA Championship when he holed out from the greenside bunker to birdie the fourth playoff hole to defeat Peter Lonard. That season, he also had his best finish in a major, tying for sixth at the U.S. Open, and he won the Australia-Asian Order of Merit. Nick is the only player to defeat Tiger Woods in the World Golf Match Play event, and he did it twice in 2005 and 2007. He's written a wonderful book titled Tour Mentality, Inside the Mind of a Tour Pro, which you guys can find out on Amazon.com. Now, tonight he is joined by Tom Naramore. Tom is the co-founder and CEO of Dollar 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 Inc., and they're the creators of D3 Golf, the first peer-to-peer golf skills challenge app where you can wager with and challenge any player on the app, anyone around the world, including Nick O'Hearn, which I definitely do not recommend. But I'm thrilled to have both guys with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Nick. Hey, Tom. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey, Chris. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me again. Hey Chris, Tom here. Uh, just absolutely uh, uh, a joy for me to be on your show. I appreciate you both, Nick. I I want to start with
2: you and just sort of catch up. Talk about what's been going on with you this year and the things down in Australia. You guys going through the same sort of COVID issues that we're experiencing over here?
4: It's been a very interesting time. We we uh, we were locked down pretty hard. I'm I'm living in Melbourne, which is a state where where Melbourne golf courses, of course, uh, in the state of Victoria, and we were. We were locked down for almost six months, and they were very, very strict. And, and now we've come out the other end. So, um, you know, looking on a global scale, everyone else seems to be still fighting the, the COVID and everything. And, and um, But down here in Australia, things are progressing pretty well. So we're we're fairly lucky. They took a very strict stance early on, and uh, I guess it's paying rewards.
2: And Nick, kudos to your father. I saw your tweet a few days ago about him shooting his age a few weeks ago and then going below his age a little over a week ago. I know that's something that uh, my father has done as well over the last few months. Very proud of watching him best his age. Talk about your father's game.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he was a huge influence on in my golf early on. He taught me certainly the fundamentals when I got going. And I kind of followed whatever he did. He was a very good baseballer back in the day. And, you know, if, if uh, the option was ever to go to the major leagues you know, in the 60s here in Australia, he would have been over to America, no doubt. But, um, you know, he's very handy with a golf club. Uh, has that sort of rounded baseball style of a swing. He's played off a single figure his whole life. And When he was 74, he shot his age. And uh, six weeks ago, he shot 78, which is his age now. And I said, Dad, you know, let me know when you break your because I'm sick of you shooting it. and <laughs> Funnily enough, about a week later, he rang me up and he said, uh, I three-putted the last, but I shot 77 and broke my age by a shot. So uh, it's very, very impressive, and hopefully I get a chance to do that one day.
2: Nick, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on the Masters, starting with fellow Australian Cameron Smith. He's a, he's a, a wonderful player. First player ever to shoot all four rounds in the 60s there at Augusta National, and and one of the things I really enjoyed most about watching him this year is every time I saw him, he had a smile on, on his face. Talk about what you saw from him.
4: Yeah, I think it was one of the greatest scrambling displays as well that I've ever seen uh, in a, in a golf tournament, especially at Augusta where, where it's so tricky around those greens. I think every time he walked onto a green, it looked as though he was going to hole a putt. Whenever he had a wedge or a short club in his hand, it it kind of looked a bit Seve-esque, so to speak. Um, you know, he, He's obviously not the longest player out there, and the golf course was definitely softer, given at the time of the year. So it was uh, it lent itself to being more aggressive. And as we saw with the scores all through the week, DJ shooting the record score and Cam shooting four rounds in the 60s, I mean, that's that's pretty unlucky to shoot four in the 60s and, and not win the golf tournament, let alone to be beaten by about five strokes, I think, in the end. So it was an amazing achievement by him. And, and he's just such a very very nice young bloke and, uh, and a hell of a player as we saw. So he's, he's got a great future in front of him.
2: Yeah. Do you, do you consider him to be a guy who's got to be a favorite looking ahead to next April?
4: Well, it'll be interesting because, you know, the way the golf course set up, I think here, my I saw him hit that shot in the 15 on Saturday. It might've been a seven wood or something where he stuck it to a foot and the ball just didn't even move when it landed. I mean, in April, that's probably over the back of the green and close to the water down the back. So, um, you know, it's going to be a different setup, so very much a different test. And and all credit to him for the way he played to to uh, to give it a chance. And I mean, every time you visit Augusta, you're always looking to gain experience, even if you're not in contention. There's always things you can look out for for the next time you're there. And and the way he held himself, uh, you know, on that Sunday especially was just so impressive. So I think he'll be one of the contenders for sure. But it's it's very much a long hitters course, obviously, and and the shorter guys they just have to be on all aspects of their game, and, and Cam showed that throughout the week with his putting and his short game.
2: So let's take that a half a step further, Nick, and talk about some of the things we saw from players out on the Champions Tour. I mean, you know, Bernard Longer we were talking about it last week, and in the the first segment tonight, Larry Mize, both those guys in their 60s, Longer, who actually, uh, you know, w- was right around uh, the leaderboard all weekend long. And then what we saw from Mike Weir, I thought what we got from those three guys, considering how much shorter they drive the ball than everybody else, was particularly amazing.
4: It certainly was. I mean, Langer's effort, I think in the end, he might have been a stroke in front or tied with Bryson. Now you've got two two ends of the spectrum there for sure. I mean, the the talk of the town going into the week was obviously Bryson and his length and how he could really take the course apart. I, I actually feel that come April the his length will be more of a factor because the greens are going to be so much firmer and playing the golf course will be playing that, that much different given the conditions it did bring the shorter hitters in because they could then hold the greens with longer clubs and I remember when I played my masters back in the mid-2000s I just you know was hitting four irons and hybrids and fairway woods and a lot of the par fours and and just trying to hold the greens was almost impossible so when the course sets up that little bit different as as we all knew it would and then the rain that came Thursday morning it changed just changed the event completely I mean obviously the number one player in the world you know the best players are all still going to be up there and, and uh, it it sort of brought the field in a little closer but you've still got to play some amazing golf around there and that that round Larry my shot on Thursday of 70 a couple under par is, is you know probably like DJ or Bryson shooting at 63 it was that good.
2: And Nick, talk about your experience playing there. When you went there to play for the first time, who were some of the guys that you played practice rounds with to try to figure out how exactly to play Augusta National?
4: Hmm. Well, I just picked other people's brains. Uh, you know, one of the best things I did my first year there is I went to the caddy master and I said, who's, who's one of your best caddies that I can uh, take out with me? And I ended up... Uh, hiring him for 18 holes so you know he wasn't going to caddy for me but I wanted him to walk the golf course with myself and my caddy so that we could we could pick his brain about okay where does this putt go what is what is you know what's the pin position going to be here and and I really absorbed a lot of his information It was one of the best things I did and practice rounds you know I had one year in particular playing a practice round with Ben Crenshaw and then played with him in the tournament and it was uh you know one of the most amazing putting displays I've ever seen when I played with him he just he just worked the golf course beautifully, you know, on the greens. He just knew where to put the ball and how to roll it. And uh, it's it's an ever-changing thing, Augusta National, I believe. I mean, every time you go there, you learn something new. And, and to be able to walk through those gates and, and play the tournament is, is something
2: very special. So, Tom, talk about uh, your your app, the D3 Golf app, and how you got Nick involved with what you're doing.
1: Well, first of all uh I've always said that I love being luckier than uh than good right uh so with a chuckle there um serendipitously, we had an idea with this crazy silly idea that we could connect golfers who like to bet on the course and then different courses around the world right uh sort of the the poker stars of the poker world, if you will, that we could erase location and time and use technology to allow golfers that like to bet their buddies uh, to do that anytime, anywhere, any location. So with that idea, um, one of the things that we wanted to build was a way for the players to put their money into the app and have the app move the money back and forth uh, based on the winner, winner, right? And so to do that, um, we needed some consultants, And through an initial consultant that we had back in 2018, he happened to be working with Nick on another project. And he said to me, uh, hey, I know this uh, professional golfer um, that might be interested in helping out. And so he introduced me to Nick. And uh, listen, I've had the pleasure of working hip to hip with Nick now a couple of times a week uh, for the last two and a half years. So um, not only has my business gotten better, but my golf game too. Uh, when you can hang out with a, with a tour pro, it is amazing what you learn just by watching an osmosis. So I feel very lucky.
2: So Tom, talk about it. Like, you know, particularly, you know, this year with COVID and that sort of thing and, and travel being restricted. I know annually I go on a golf trip with my buddies. So, uh, you know, my, my buddy and uh, we didn't get the opportunity to go play my other buddy, Joe and Bob. So I got two guys down in Orlando, one guy over in Myrtle beach and, and they didn't get the opportunity to lose to me and have to buy me dinner. So talk about how we can all play at different courses at different times, but still end up betting and, and, uh, and, and competing against one another.
1: Absolutely. So when you build a profile in the app, uh, and anybody can download the app at our website, which is d3golf.com. Uh, download the app. It's completely free. Uh, you can load your wallet. Uh, and invite your friends, if they're already there, then you have the ability to go play golf. We have all 40, over 40,000 golf courses loaded in the world. However, we are on version one right now, so it's only available in the U.S. Come Q1 2021, uh, we're going to launch Australia, Canada. We're looking at Europe. Um, uh, We're looking at the legality of that. We're going to do Australia, Canada, uh, and uh, another uh, another country that, that um, we're thinking about. So, uh, so it's that simple. Uh, you load your friends. You go play golf. Uh, you start a challenge. You pick the wager amount and the game that you want to play. Right now we've got Nassau and Skins. Um, you can do carryovers. You don't have to do carryovers, but you can bet any amount you want. Um, because it is a skills challenge, meaning you're going to play a game of golf, and your buddy's going to actually play a game of golf. And by the way, we validate that the game is actually played with location services. Um, It's not considered gambling. Uh, uh, This is actually a skills challenge uh, and is completely legal. Um, So we have all of our compliance, all all the legality uh, uh, done, and uh, the app takes everybody's handicap and the tee box they play, There's a slope rating uh, on all T-boxes. We do the hard math on the back end. By the way, our our math was validated by the USGA. Uh, And it takes care of all of uh, the pops and who gets strokes on what hole. Uh, It takes the relationship to par since you're playing two different courses at the same time. Uh, And the scores, it determines the winner. It tells you who the winner is, and it moves uh, the money back and forth from player to player
2: and you mentioned uh being a a a, um, a skills challenge but talk about how we can play skins against one another as well
1: yeah so skins uh is the latest game that we loaded um and so uh what happens is um you know in a, just like a local match right um when you set the game up you determine when you set the game up how much a skin is worth So um, in our version one right now, every hole is its own skin. And whoever gets uh, the closest relationship uh, or the lowest score, obviously, on that hole, um, if you're playing two different courses where I'm on a par three and you're on a par five, then what the app does is it compares relation to par. So if if I shoot a four on a par three and you shoot a four on a par five, you actually birdied, even though our scores were the same, you win that skin. So up front, we determine how much a skin is worth, and then you win that skin. We play all 18 holes, uh, and if we've got carryovers, if we don't have carryovers, the app take care, takes care of all the math, and it shows each player who won what, who won each hole, and how much was distributed from player to player. So, Nick,
2: tell me me why I would want to go up against you. I mean, the thought of playing (laughs) against you seems ridiculous, especially for someone of my skill level. But talk about how we can theoretically challenge you.
4: Yeah, well, that's going to be part of the app, which I'm really excited about, is um, some celebrity challenges. So we might get some other golf pros involved as well and other celebrities. And, uh, you know, growing up here in Australia, that was, it was a no-brainer. Every time I played around a round of golf, I was, um, I'd always, you know, bet a few cents or a dollar here and there against my buddies. And then when I get introduced to this idea, I, uh, I was just so fascinated because I'm thinking, well, surely this has been done before, but it hasn't. You know, D3 Golf is the first app out there to do it, and uh, I'm really excited about that. in that sense. And, and there's two two types of play: local, where we're all playing in the same group. Uh, And remote play where we're in different groups or at different locations, as Tom's saying, about different golf courses that might be across the other side of the country. But the beautiful part about golf and what I've always loved is is the handicap system. I mean, I just had a round of golf this morning. I was playing against a buddy of mine uh, who's off an eight handicap, and I'm off a plus four handicap down here. And we play a Stableford format, and we both came in at 36 points. So, you know, there's a 12-stroke difference in handicaps, but we competed right the way down to the wire. And and I think that's that's the beauty of golf is it's the only sport in the world where pros and amateurs can compete against each other on a level playing field. It just won't happen in any other sport. And, um, you know, I've shot five and six under myself on a round of golf and I still get beaten by 18 handicappers. It's just the way it goes, unfortunately. But uh, I've had a blast doing it and I'm, I'm really looking forward to launching it down here in Australia and, uh, you know, continue to challenge Tom and see if I can take a few dollars off him. <laughs>
2: Yeah. It's just a couple more before I let you go. And Nick, I know you just turned 49 back on October the 18th and the champions tour looks like it's uh it's just there on the horizon for you. Are we going to get the opportunity a year from now to see you out there?
4: Oh, it's, you know, it's on the horizon, but it's not one of my main priorities at the moment. I'm still, uh, you know, I, I stopped playing full time about five years ago now, and, and we moved back to Australia a couple of years ago. So When I hit 50, um, I'll think about it and and see where my game's at and and give it a good shot. But again, a lot obviously will depend on travel restrictions and COVID and all that sort of thing. Um, I'll have to go through the Q School over there because I never won in the US, unfortunately. I came close several times. But uh, you know, beating Tiger Woods twice in match play, I think that should give me an automatic exemption under the Champions Tour. But apparently it doesn't. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) So I'll have, to, I'll have to wait a bit there. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying playing. I'm, I'm mentoring and coaching other players now and still playing a couple of local events. And uh, and I'm really excited about this golf app and, uh, and, and just, you know, getting people playing. And, and as I mentioned before, you know, I grew up whenever I played, there was always some action on the side. And that, that's where the competition comes in. And it's just a fantastic, uh, fantastic project to be involved with.
2: Nick, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you on social media.
4: Yeah, sure. I'm on uh, I'm on the Twitter, uh, which is I guess at Nick O'Hearn, and same with Instagram. Um, I have my own website, com. and I've uh, actually just recreated some uh, another website called TourProExperience.com.au, which um, you know, another golf pro and myself, we take out clients for uh, what we call the Tour Pro Experience. You know, something, if you went to a PGA Tour event, this is how it's going to be. We're going to give you the the best gear, the best food and wine, and uh, show you the golf courses and, uh, and give you some uh, an amazing experience. So that, that's something I'm really looking forward to. But uh, Instagram, Twitter is always the best way with me. And, and you'll see a lot more of me coming up when, uh, when the app gets launched
2: here for sure. And, Tom, let our listeners know about how they can stay up to date, download the app, where they can find it and then stay up to date with all the great things that you guys are going to be doing with version one and then future versions as well.
1: Absolutely. So uh, you can find us on the web at uh, D the number three golf.com. Uh, we both Android and iOS uh, links are right there. So whatever platform you're on uh, and uh, uh, our Instagram is want to bet me at want to bet me W A N A B E T M E. Uh, that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter on that handle, at WannaBetMe. Uh, so you can find us there, follow us there. So, yeah, we we just started development on uh, version two. It'll be out uh, mid to late uh, first quarter of 2021. We're looking at a March launch. Uh, many games, it's going to be a completely new experience. And like I said, we're going to launch some other countries, so uh, you get some international play as well as play your uncle across uh, across the United States, your buddy. So looking forward to it and uh, just excited about it. You bet.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nick, Tom, I can't thank you enough for taking time, Nick, for out of your day over there in Australia. Nick, uh, uh, out of your evening there out in California. But I can't thank you enough for being a part of the show. I hope you'll come back. Uh, both of you will come back and update us on how things are going with the app. And uh, and uh, let us know what's new and how uh, version two is coming. It sounds fantastic. I can't wait to take some money off my body.
1: <laughs> there you go. Look Thanks. forward to it.
5: Thanks, Chris. Take care, good, fellas. Great,
2: great chatting. Happy again. holidays. Thanks, Nick. Take care. Good. Happy holidays. Stay safe out there. We'll catch up soon. That is the great Nick O'Hearn and Tom Naramore. Again, The the app is D3 Golf, and it's D3 Golf. Dot com, So very excited about what those guys have to offer and what it's going to look like, what version two will be like, and let alone version one. And certainly looking forward to, uh, to downloading the app, getting my buddies to download the app, and then not only taking some money off of them uh, for what it's like uh, over the course of our round, but then utilizing that skins piece as well. So great stuff. Look forward to catching up with those guys again soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Dan Quinn, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Finn for a course that has them near you. I also want to give another shout-out to our friends over at the McLemore. The McLemore mountaintop community rests atop the highlands of Lookout Mountain, Georgia, overlooking historic McLemore Cove and Pigeon Mountain. Surrounded on all sides by state and national parks, historic land districts, and private land trusts, the resort features an 18-hole Reese Jones and Bill Bergen championship course, a gated residential community, and a planned clubhouse opening in the fall of 2020, McLemore is located a short driving distance from Atlanta, Nashville, Knoxville, Birmingham, and Huntsville, and just 35 minutes from downtown Chattanooga, voted number one best town in America two years in a row by Outside Magazine. While a private course, McLemore offers stay-and-play packages for guests in club-managed properties, as well as a number of membership opportunities, including social memberships, non-resident memberships, and corporate memberships as well. For more information, please visit McLemore online at themacklemore.com or give them a call at 800-329-8154. All right, now back in making his seventh appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is Dan Quinn. Let me remind you about Dan's background. He's from Ottawa, Ontario and grew up in Brockville, Ontario. He played hockey in the NHL from 1983 to 1997 with the Flames, Penguins, Canucks, Blues, Flyers, North Stars, Senators, and Kings. He was the co-winner of the Penguins Players Player Award in the 1986-87 season. And that award is voted on by the players and given to the player who exemplifies leadership for the team both on and off the ice and who is dedicated to teamwork. Over the course of Dan's hockey career, he scored 266 goals. Had 419 assists and total 685 points in 805 games. In golf, he was one of the top players out on the Celebrity Tour. He competed at the American Century Championship for many years. He won it five times and finished in the top 10 18 times. He's caddied out on the PGA Tour for players like John Daly, Ernie Els, and Yoss Luton. And I'm very excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Dan, thanks for coming back on the show.
5: Hey, Chris. How are you? See you uh, good to hear from you so dan catch us
2: up what's been going on with you this year how have you been dealing with all this covid stuff
5: well i got you know, three kids two are, two are in college so i'm uh i'm in florida which is i don't know i guess a bit of a bullish state not too. uh ah it's just it's a nightmare it's been a nightmare but two girls in college that one's graduating it's uh it's not been cool but i don't i don't get it it's just been a crazy time I don't know how you're dealing with it, but it's been crazy. With you.
2: And Dan, I, I thought it was kind of funny, a couple of, I guess, about a month or so ago, I saw someone was giving you a hard time thinking you were the Falcons' now former head coach. How many times have you had to deal with people banging on you thinking you were uh, the Dan Quinn who was the head coach for the Falcons?
5: Well, it's been uh, it's been interesting because I used to always say, like, a lot of the when, – when Google and all that stuff happened. I was happy to not have be the first person when you google Dan Quinn happen, but uh, because because of some you know past mistakes, but you know, when Dan Quinn took over for the Falcons, he took over the number one Dan Quinn, but unfortunately, I took it over to social media. All I did Twitter was to follow my kids and I got all these Dan Quinn tweets from me lot he blew the Super Bowl against the Patriots a couple of years ago, so it started that started that little uh, funny exchange, but it's all good.
2: Dan, I want to get your thoughts on the Masters, and I know we've talked about this before, but for anyone who hasn't uh wasn't a part of the show so on some of your previous visits, I know you're on the bag there for Ernie Els in two thousand and ten. Talk about what it's like being a caddy uh at that event
5: the The event I did was in April this was a unique event to, that just passed, and uh, I'm lucky enough to have got some inside scoops on uh you know you know Wayne Gretzky's the Wayne's a friend of mine he's been down here we played golf last week and this week and he was at Augusta for the Masters <coughs> with the family and uh, even though only one person could go on grounds but it was a unique event and in, in, I think in November versus April when I caddied in 2010 and Mickelson won Ernie came 20 I caddied for Ernie Els that year and he came he came 18th but um, I just thought uh, it was a Opportunity for somebody that I think is uh, an, uh, an unbelievable golfer, and, and Dustin to really separate himself in the next 18 months. To he could possibly win three three Masters in the next. I I would be shocked if he doesn't win one of the next two in 21 and 22. So it's going to be a you know a, a kind of a coming of age of a guy that just buried everybody last you know two weeks ago to uh the next t- April of 21 and April of 22.
2: What was it like for Wayne to be a part of, you know, DJ's win and a a historic win? First guy to ever reach 20 under par and outside of a a few moments in the final round that kind of made you scratch your head when the lead got down to two, but obviously he, uh, he, he righted the ship and then went on to a fantastic final round. What was it like for Wayne to be a part of that?
5: Well, so there's Couple, you know, well, there's Wayne's perspective and mine. And then you know, the, the two things I say that, uh, you know, obviously Dustin finally admitted he was nervous and he's never been nervous before. This meant a lot to him, a kid that grew up 70 miles from Augusta and probably is why after all the wins he's had on the PGA Tour, it took this long and maybe a, like a November uh, tournament and an ad hoc 2020 COVID year is the reason he won. And But I will be shocked if he doesn't win two or three more. Um, me as a professional you know as a golfer and that's not from wayne but uh gress was there they were uh they, they, they had a canadian um gentleman set up a house that had a lot of room so they had the chefs they had the grandkids wayne janet austin and, and their trainer joey d all stayed at the same house and uh i think they'll get it again in april so it was uh it was, it was great to hear all the memories the story the stories and and so on and so forth but i think that it's if you ask, I did an interview for TSN. I'm Canadian. Uh, a week ago, that the thing that would happen in November was it was softer and wetter, no no wind, and it had all the birdie pins were Thursday and Friday, and Dustin took advantage of it. You know, he got way under and then shot a 65 on Saturday, and I think that that I think that the uh, Augusta members and whoever sets up the course in April of 21 will this will be a very difficult like four or five under might win. It won't be 20 under again. And that's, uh, you know, the, the short daylight this year that that, that they had. Uh, I think was the reason they just didn't want to have guys out there all day. And, and they wanted to get it around three o'clock so they could honor the CBS contract with football. It was a very unique year. And I think it, it bodes well for the future of Dustin Johnson winning golf tournaments in the majors, especially Augusta. I think he might win. I mean, it, it, the golf course is built for him. He's won it. And it's going to be interesting. I think he might. You know, he might win three or four of these in the next, you know, he's 37 by the time he's 45.
2: And Dan, one of the things that uh, we talk an awful lot on this show about Augusta National is folks that haven't actually been on the ground. Don't get a really a, a good sense for the change in elevation that happens out there on Augusta National TV just doesn't do it justice for a guy who had to lug a tour bag up and down those hills. What was that like for you?
5: I always I've always said this about any golf course,
2: flat undulation or not, it's only heavy
5: when they're over par <laughs> but um <laughs> if uh, you know, Augusta I never I never looked at it once. I mean it is a very uh physical walk, but I never looked at it that way. I had so much fun being on the grounds. Um I walked it before um we teed off. I went and saw where the par three tees were and knew exactly so that I could give instant information when I got, you know, got to the holes on, you know, four, six, 12, 16, I knew exactly where everything was. So I walked the course before even caddied. And then I met my player, you know, 90 minutes before he teed off. So it was never, it was never an energy problem, but to your point, uh, as a fan, I went there when I first retired from hockey, six or seven years. And I was shocked how undulating the, the hills on, Nobody even knows when you go down the hill on eight and then go all the way up, it's like a 400 yard walk. It's a very, very significant 18 going down 10 up back up 11. There's a lot of Hills there that TV doesn't do it, but TV doesn't do it really justice in the sense that it's the most, you know, it's a spectacular piece of property. And, 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 and it's one of my favorite things I said to somebody, you know, I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a huge dealer fan. I'm a huge football fan. Not so much baseball as much as I used to, but I love sports. But the number one thing I want to do when I retire from hockey is go to the Masters. It's I think it's the greatest event. It transcends sports, and uh, two sports that I love are hockey and golf, foremost. But I, I love going there, and uh, to get to work in 2010 with Ernie was uh, was a treat.
2: I guess the the other question I had, Dan, is you know for a guy that went there, and as you talked about going out there, and especially out to the par threes. But how did you learn how to read those greens? That's got to be a a very difficult and time-consuming thing to understand where I need to tell my player that he needs to hit the ball in order to have an opportunity to make 30.
5: Well, we did. uh, you asked me about why I was going. I just wanted to have all the teams. If I could go out and do some work and see some putts and uh, stuff, I thought that was just, just an effort that a player would appreciate. Uh, as they teed off, and you said, "I've already seen a guy putt from the back of second the second hole because it, it would be just lazy not to go out instead of sitting around having a coffee." As far as the reading the greens, we had a um, Ernie 2010 when I caddied for him. He had a we had the greens books, and we had a, an arrow. I put an arrow through every green that s- sort of was set up by a local caddy that he had met a couple three years before I worked for him. That basically put a, a line through every green that pointed to Ray's Creek. And that's what everything kind of does. It does tug down to the bottom where the bridge is on 11 and 12. If you, if you look at Augusta, everything breaks to that, no matter where you are on the property. So we had an, a line through there. And then at the end of the day, you know, I'm not trying to be conceited, but I, I know how to play golf. And I knew you, there, there's grain on every green. You could see the grain. You could see where the tugs were and you could, um, and I, I could regreen. So, I, we did we had a good job that week and the um, putting wasn't our issue we said we made three doubles otherwise you know Ernie might have contended but it's it's a it's a, it's a unique place and bent grass just like Bermuda grass everything has a tug to it or a, a pull to it and Augusta especially everything points down to that bridge on 11 and 12
2: Dan, I want to switch gears with you, and you, you mentioned you know how to play golf, and there's no question about that. A guy that won the American Century Classic five times, uh, one of the best players ever out on the Celebrity Tour. Um, but the last time you and I talked, it was sort of a head-scratcher. You hadn't been invited back to that, uh, that event in a while. Has that changed?
5: No, it hasn't. No, they uh... – no, sorry, I'm 55 now. So the, the me, Rick Road, Rick Road won it eight times. I won it five times. Billy Joe Calder won it three, and none of us are back. They, you know, they it's they're they're uh it's a business and so they're trying to keep everything current and I understand that. So, uh, they wanted Tony Roma to win it, which he's done. Um, I don't know, Mark Mulder's a big name, but he won it three times in a row, but he was more current. So no, so it has not changed. Um, in their in their dream world, it's a, it's a made-for-TV event, except for the fact that. Some of us didn't treat it that way, <laughs> but, you know, they want Steph Curry or, uh, um, you know, Tony Romo to win it. And then, then, so that's where it's at. But Marty Fish, I don't, I don't, again, it's, I had a 23-year run, won it five times, like you said, I think 18 times you said top 10, whatever, but I had a great time yep. every year I went out there and it was a it was a thrill to play it. But at the same time, you know, Gress was talking to me about it today. I mean, I was an active player when I went it my first time. I was still playing in the NHL. Uh, I was current. And uh, so I'll take that. And I shot under par for the very first time. Uh, I shot three under in 1992 when I was still in the NHL. But that's not that's not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying there's a, there's a few guys. It's, it's, there's a lot that can play. It's just it's a it's really it was originally about guys that could play no matter what their celebrity status was. To where it's become much more about celebrity status. And I'm not a celebrity. Wow. I don't
2: know if I'd go that far. Um,
5: well, I had a career. Talk about but I'm not a celebrity. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to sign autographs in a restaurant.
2: 55, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: it's all good. It's all good.
2: Dan, talk about your uh, teammate for a while, Mario Lemieux. You guys, I, I imagine, had some pretty uh, good matches against one another, probably over at Oakmont. Talk about that. Did you guys get over to Oakmont and play against one another on a uh, semi-regular basis?
5: No. So Mario lived in. Uh, uh, for the well, he when we were in Pittsburgh together, he lived in Mount Lebanon. I I lived in Upper St Clair. So if, if this is a Pittsburgh-based show, um, but anyways, yeah. So Mario and I, I remember the first year. I said, look, I'm not going to go back to Canada. I want to stay in Pittsburgh. You want to play, but if I stay here, we're going to play golf every day. And we did. We did that for like five, six, probably ten years. And uh, you know, Mario was a great player. Um, didn't didn't play golf like I did as a, as a junior, as twelve, thirteen. I was a little bit further along, but he had great, great swing, great hands. We had a lot of fun. A couple of times we've been to, you know, played Pine Valley. We played a lot of golf tournaments, a lot of places that were uh, very special members, even to this day. I texted him today, so I heard he has he's had some health problems. And um, anyway, we had a great time. Pittsburgh is the greatest uh I mean, I'm still friends with Bob, great friends with Bob Ford. Love the place to play golf, uh, the, the, the Pennsylvania. I just, I just love it. And it was, um, Mario and I played a lot of golf, not so much at Oakmont, but much more over at, we started at Rolling Hills. We joined together in 1987, the summer of that it was my first summer there. And I think that's, been, I don't know what it's called now, but we basically, a lot of the, most of the golf we played was at uh, a place called Nevillewood in Pittsburgh. And, um, that opened in 92 through 2001. I think Mario plays more over near Sir Rickley or Allegheny now. Played a lot of golf at, at a place called Nevillewood in Pittsburgh.
2: Dan, just a couple more before I let you go. And uh, your sons are pretty good golfer. Talk about his game.
5: Yeah, so it's been a great tra- you know, I have two daughters that are in college, and I, they're actually in Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving with their mother um, this week. But my son's here, and he goes, no, I can't leave. Uh, I got to stay down here he's got it. I just, you know, Bob Ford helped him. He's going to, he's going to caddy a seminal this winter and on holidays, he's a freshman in high school at uh, anyway, my kid's got some, he's got a shot. I'm not one of those dads, you know, I'm not forcing him, but my kid's way better than I was at 14. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, He loves it. He's got the bug and uh, he's got a great golf swing and um, it's been fun. I love sitting here watching the Masters with him and DJ and I I was it's so hard to be a somebody who played a pro sport to, to their, to teach their kid and know, you know, I get him in the car after he plays a bad round and I'm like, sorry, I'm not that dad. Why did you do this? why did you do that? I'm not that kid. Good job, dad. Good job, buddy. You know, like, I'm like, sorry, buddy. That's just not that dad. But, it, but I'll tell you what, I got a kid that I think he's got a shot. He loves it. Um, he's got the, uh, intensity for it. He's got way more talent than I did at golf and, um, I'm looking forward to see where he goes. He just turned 14. And, um, yeah, so he's going to caddy. It's just, uh, it's just, it's a really, just a trick box. So it was just with Wayne today. I mean, he's got five kids and his son's a really good player. We played them. Tristan's his name. And he hits with a mile. He eagled a par five, par four from 275 into the wind today. But like he goes, Quinter, I, I don't know how to tell them what to do. My wife pushes them. It's it's a real trick box. And I think, you know, I, re, I appreciate you asking me the question. I think I have it. in. I push my son just enough, but I let him, if he doesn't have the bug, there's no chance he has it. But I think he's got the bug and he's got a great golf swing. And, uh, we're, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of those dads. Believe it or not. I'm not Tiger Woods' dad. I'm going to let the kid, the kid's got to do it on himself, you know? So it's, it's a really hard thing as a, as a guy that made it in a pro sport to, to raise a kid, but my kid's got the bug. So it's, it's, I'm looking forward to it. I hopefully, uh, I got a lot of friends, including Bob Ford. They're going to help him. And, um, uh, I think he's got a shot to be a unique kind of cool kid, but it's a, it's it's just a tough thing that to to somebody at 14 years old, you know. I know what I was doing, but nobody told me what I was doing. I knew where I was going in hockey, and, and it's just a it's a really Chris. It's very hard to be parent of a kid that you think can do it and not push them too hard. And I'm trying not to push them too hard.
2: Yeah, I understand. I know what it's like, my friend. Dan, you mentioned yeah, you're a big Steelers years. fan as as am I. So, I got to get your thoughts. You know, 10 and know. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm I'm a little nervous for, you know, some of these close games that they've had, obviously not this past weekend, but what are your thoughts on the Steelers? Do they got a shot? Do you think they can go all the way?
5: Have they played their best game yet? I don't think I they don't have.
2: think so. No. I don't think
5: they have. I mean, I thought the first four weeks I was worried about the defense, and now the defense is better than the offense. And I know I know Ben's playing on rail, like he should be an MVP candidate, and you got my boy from Canada. Oh, hold on. My boy from Canada, Claypool. And he's like on fire, and I think you got, but the defense is the only thing I was worried about, and I don't know. I, I think Kansas City's. Good. they're in the, their side of Kansas City. Tampa Bay's in, in a bad spot now, but. I wish there was a way that everybody had to go through Pittsburgh at 10 and I wish Kansas City had to go through Pittsburgh with all the fans, but there's no fans. There's really no home field advantage, but I think they're for real. Tell me, I'm, I think they're for real. And then I think defense is what shocked me the last six weeks. I thought the first four weeks I was worried about them, but big game Thursday night, but they're going to blame it on COVID if Baltimore guys can't play, but, um, no, I think I. I mean, I think Pittsburgh. I think the Steelers are for real. I really do. I think they're they're a legitimate contender. You tell me.
2: Yeah, no, I think so too. I, I, I but I'm with you. The defense makes me a little nervous. I'm I'm not sure that uh, you're know, going up against Kansas City and uh, and trying to cover the pass. I they, those guys worry me in the in the defensive backfield. And then what we saw from uh, some of the guys, particularly in the last Baltimore game, where they you know, they ran for each had three guys run for over 50 yards in the first half. I was concerned, so I'm a little concerned about that. I think the offense is going to figure it out. To your point, I think Ben is is uh, is an MVP candidate this year, and the wide receivers are tough to deal with. I wish we had a, a little bit more in the running game to balance it out, uh, but I'm I'm a little bit worried about the defense. We'll see how it goes, but uh, I I think they're yeah, for real. The defense, I think the defense.
5: They, the first couple of weeks I was worried, but I, I mean they've actually they're actually the better side of the ball, right? I mean if I'm unless I'm missing something, but I don't know you can't tell when they play Cincinnati or they play, you know, they play down. They always play since I've known right. the Steelers since I've played there. And they they always play down to their competition. I think they played the Jacksonville game. They played down. They coached, let's just win 27-3. Let's not, you know, they, they're they not going to score on us. Speaks volume to how good they think their defense is. Whereas when they're going to play Kansas City, you're going to have to score in the high 30s. You're going to have to score more than 30 points to beat them. And you're going to have to make some turnovers. I, I just think they're I think they're a legitimate contender, and I only look at who they're going to have to play to get get past Kansas City is going to be very tough out, and they're on the same side of the football field or same side of the conference, but um, anyway, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I just watched Tampa Bay last night. I, I'm, pull, I'm I'm a huge sports fan, so I love Tom Brady, even though I'm a Steeler fan. Dude, he's going to be he's got to play Kansas City this week. He's going to be seven and five. They might miss the playoffs. I mean, it's just going to be a very interesting, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting what happens, but I think the Steelers, if they can beat Baltimore and get them, they're not even a part of the equation. That's a big, big, they win tomorrow night, Thursday night, Baltimore, Pittsburgh clinches and Baltimore has no chance of seeing them again. That's big. So I I don't, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm I'm just throwing I think, I think the Steelers are for real. I mean, I'm, I don't know enough. I can't really tell. With no home field advantage, and how I know if I knew if, if everybody had to go through Pittsburgh to get to the Super Bowl, then I would say Steelers are going to the Super Bowl. But because there's no fans, that's the only thing I say. Because I know what it's like to play, be a be a fan and be in Pittsburgh. It's a tough place to play. If Kansas City had to come through Pittsburgh with 56,000 people or whatever there is in Heinz Field, but when there's only 500, it's going to be a different animal. But that's that's the only that's the only thing I say. And same thing, if Pittsburgh had to go to Kansas City go through Arrowhead. When you have to go through there and there's, but there's no fans, so I don't even know what home field means. So but I think Pittsburgh going right. ten and 0, unbelievable. So I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to see what NHL does. I can't wait to watch hockey again. I thought the uh I thought the fall program they did was unbelievable, but uh, I've never heard anybody tell me nobody knows what's gonna happen. And I, I, I'm I'm worried for I'm worried for live sports for hockey. I really don't know. They need they need fans in the buildings, and and if they can't start in January, I don't know what's going to happen. So hopefully this whole world gets gets on par. I don't know. It's a crazy time. To answer your question that you first asked
4: me about COVID.
2: <laughs> Dan, you before know. I let you go, let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media.
5: It's all good. I'm on Twitter. I don't I don't do so so much social media, but. It's all good. Always good talking to Chris. Thanks for shout outs every Sunday morning and then it's always great to talk to a Pittsburgh fan. Nah, I appreciate you, Dan.
2: Take care, stay safe out there. Happy holidays to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon.
5: Anytime. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Dan. That's the great Dan Quinn. And folks, he's very humble, but uh tremendous athlete, tremendous celebrity, and a tremendous golfer. Again. You know, you go back and you look at what he did on the Celebrity Tour. Again, One, the American Century Classic five times. And I guess to his point, you know, they want to stay current. But you want to talk about guys that dominated that event. He and Rick Roden, you know, to to Danny's point, Roden won it eight times. Dan won it five times. So those two guys, and, and Roden, oh, by the way, spent uh spent some time in Pittsburgh pitching for the Pirates. But those two guys were as dominant on the Celebrity Tour as anybody. And our good friend over over on Thursday Night Tailgated from an NFL perspective, Steve Markowski, also has some game, by the way, uh, was out there playing uh, in those events as well. So uh, I just thought it was a head-scratcher when uh, when you've got those guys that uh, were so dominant that uh, the invitations stopped coming. And they wanted other guys out there, like, they, like you said, I guess they want Tony Romo to win, they want Steph Curry to win, so let's get some of these guys that are winning this event and we won't invite them back to give these other guys an opportunity uh, uh, to be the champion. But uh, Dan, tremendous, tremendous hockey player, tremendous golfer and a tremendous uh, individual. So look forward to catching up uh, with Dan again uh, next season. And speaking of which folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of next on the T sending out my sincere thanks to Tom Patrick, Nick O'Hearn, Tom narrimore, and Dan Quinn for joining me tonight and uh, my thanks to all of you for being a part of the show again, this season, like I mentioned at the top, we're going to be on hiatus for a couple of months, but if you love football, I hope you'll join me and my co-host Bob Lazeri over on our show Thursday night tailgate. That's going to be on the same uh, blog talk radio and the same uh, podcasting site. Uh, We are live Thursday nights from at starting at 8 PM Eastern time, but you'll be able to find us on all of the great sites. Like you can find this show again. If you love podcasts and you're on podcasting sites, you're going to find this show and that one on podcast.co, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, player.fm, and radio.com as well. Uh, Please stay up to date with our website, nextonthetea.net. We'll have some, you know, I'm sure some special events, uh, you know, a, a couple of interviews here and there over the winter, plus things that our friends and our sponsors are doing. So we hope you'll stay in touch with the show by going on there and keep, keep your eyes up because uh, we'll start posting what uh, what our next season will look like and who will be joining us over there on that website. Folks, I can't thank you enough for continuing to tune in and making us a part of your golfing content. Until next season, hit them straight, my friends.